What's good, people? Welcome to another episode of the Legends of Athletics podcast. And, of course, you know me. I'm the same voice you hear all the time because it's my podcast. But uh, we have another another great episode. I, I know I tell you guys that all the time. But the reason that I say that is we I, I want to give you guys quality more than quantity. So I try to give you guys quality episodes. I try to bring on quality people. And I always try to give you quality content each and every day. Um, today is no different than any other day. Um, today, I get to express, again, the power of social media and uh, the, the positives of using social media. Uh, the coach that I have on with me today, we connected through social media. I've seen a lot of his, uh, his posts and agree with a lot of the points that he makes. And um, he was gracious enough to find me and follow me back and uh, uh, answer the DM and we connected from there and here we are today um, on this podcast and that I have none other with none other than Coach Spray. So Coach Spray, Coach Jason Spray, I'm going to let you intro yourself um, and tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, Of course, he has 15 years experience in this game of strength and conditioning and um, hey, this is probably the first, I ain't going to say probably the first, but the first um, big-time coach that I've had on the show. So, uh, Coach Spray, I'll let you uh, give us some of your background. All right. First, man, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, man, so, like, 15, that's, hey, you, you gave me a couple of years. Like, I'm actually, uh, man, I started coaching in 2002. Yeah. So, I mean, what is that? That's uh that, You're looking like 17, 18 yeah, oh, years. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot longer than that then. Yeah, bro. I'm getting <laughs> old, man. So, uh, yeah, like, so my – my see, I guess I started back in 02. Um, I, I played football at um, Middle Tennessee State, MTSU, um, here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, I was fortunate enough to play uh, for some really good strength coaches. Uh, you know, I, I was a Prop 48 coming out of high school. Um, a Prop 48, I know a lot of people don't even know what that is anymore. Mm-hmm. That's where you don't academically qualify um, through the NCAA Clearinghouse. So uh, when you do that, that means you, you get into school. Um, you can only uh, – you, you can't even practice or play for one calendar year. Um, but uh, it doesn't count against your eligibility if you graduate on time. So if you graduate with your with the class that you're supposed to graduate with, they the NCAA would give you that year back. Um, so you know you just get in and bust your butt, and you know you, you get that year back, and it's mm-hmm. kind of and it really is like a redshirt year. Um, and so I, you know I played there. Um, my strength coach, you know, while I you know while I played was Matt Riley and Rob Rogers. You know, Matt Riley is one of the best mm-hmm. people I've ever met. Rob Rogers is one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. Uh, we were doing stuff back in 1999 that, uh, I mean, it, it resembles a lot of the training you see today. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of unilateral work, you know, Olympic lifts. You know, we were squat heavy. Right. Uh, short sprints, a lot of conditioning, that kind of thing. Um, you know, he's the one that really made me uh, want to be a strength coach. And, you know, long story short, uh, mm-hmm. he hired me in 2002 as a GA, and I've been coaching ever since. Hey, nothing wrong with that. And if y'all can't tell, he has that that strength coach voice. You can you can kind of tell it. Um, I've been yeah, so, I've been yelling for a lot of years. So hey, yeah, <laughs> eventually, it, eventually that your voice leaves. Uh, yeah, as man. you can tell, like right now, I'm I'm only five years in, and I don't formally, uh, I'm not a formal strength and conditioning coach. So I'm fortunate to still have my voice. Um, and so with that, I, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I seen a topic that we were kind of talking about uh, on Twitter. Or that you, you made a post about on Twitter um, about, you know, players saying that, you know, bag season, I'm getting a bag. Whoa, uh, yeah, I'm man. getting slept on. Nobody's calling this, that, whatever. Right. Um, I mean, just going into that, I'm I like, I get my my opinion and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, what I think of, when, when I hear that a lot of times, sometimes, you know, it's rare uh, to me and that a player – actually get slept on by everybody um those are far and few between um it happens sometimes i mean you do have a few diamonds in the rough or players that are overlooked because of whatever reason um but a lot of times guys say that when they're not getting d1 offers or power five offers um and uh that's not always the case and then sometimes you have to look at the stats like i seen a kid last week on twitter 
coach, and I, I'll let you chime in. Okay, so the kid had posted that he squats like five. I think it was deadlifting five hundred, squatting squatting uh like five hundred or four over four hundred pounds or five hundred pounds something like that, benching over three hundred pounds, and the kid played running back and ran like a four uh a high four seven four eight range uh forty times, and I'm like, which in reality is probably a four nine. Yeah, I'm like, like cause, yeah. cause you, cause that's on a hand timer. Right. And anybody that knows a hand timer is off. Like it's it's accurate. Like it can be accurate, but it's not the most accurate way to time a forty. So right. I mean, you you have to be real with yourself, and you know, know what you're getting into. And coach, I'll let you chime in on that because I, I I know that was your 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 thing. So I'll let you. Yeah. So I, my thing is always it just hurt me. It used to hurt me when I was coaching in college. You know, you would go out, and, and we all know, man, when you play a season, there's 12 games in a year in college or mm-hmm. high school, I think there's 10. Bro, you're going to get you're gonna get smacked some some weeks. It just happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but but that's, to me, is when you should be the most quiet. If mm-hmm. you just got embarrassed, shut up and go <laughs> right. to work the next week, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you don't have to go and tell everybody. You made one tackle. Who gives a crap? Right. <laughs> If the other team ran 100 plays, what did you do on the other 99? Exactly, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you balled out so much, why didn't you win the game? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you win the game? So that's why that always just irritates me, man, because you hardly ever see a guy who truly balls out and you lose a game. Mm -hmm. Now, if you lose by one score or field goal, hey, man, I get it. But yeah. I guarantee you there was errors <laughs> in that game that you committed, right? Yeah. So, but – and then to the other point you're making with being slept on, yeah, well, I get it. Some guys can be slept on. But in this day and time, there are so many, like, camps that you can go to in the summer. Exactly. You know, and, I mean, there's no excuse. It's not like when I played in high school, I mean, you would get VHS tapes and you're sending them off just trying to get somebody to see you. And if mm-hmm. you played in a small country town, you may not ever get soft. Right, right. right. Like, I mean, that's how a Terrell Owens ends up at UT Chattanooga, right? right? And you never see, you don't, you hardly ever see that these days. You anymore. don't see that, man. Like, I mean, because there's so many exposure camps, man. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then, right. yeah, I was saying, kids got kids basically have the power to market themselves, like with huddle and things like that. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm with you. It's not kind of. I'm with you when you talk about the stats and losing games, this, that, whatever. Because I look at kids, man. And the first thing, no matter what, what bugs me is the game will end at 10. By 11 o'clock, you got your huddle account. Or the Whoa. next morning, the yes. next morning, hey, check out my huddle. Like, do you even care what happened with no, the team? They <laughs> like, don't. I'm like, like come on, man. don't care. They don't care. Like, if you were to spend as much time watching film mm-hmm. during the week as you mm-hmm. are trying to get your huddle up, updated, you mm-hmm. may have won the game. Right, and, and, and winning and like, games gets yes. you seen. That period, like <laughs> productivity. I remember when uh, I, I I got my I was promoted to the head strength coach uh, at, at Middle Tennessee State in 2012. Mm-hmm. We had a really good running back at a time named Benny Cunningham, and Benny was coming into his senior year, and I mean he had all the measurables you wanted, and I was like, bro, the one thing that you can do to get seen is productivity. And to be productive, you have to be on the field. Mm-hmm. And to be on the field, you have to be in shape. And if mm-hmm. you can do those things, good things will happen. Right? right. So you right. have to be on the field. You have to be productive if you want to make it up to the next level of whatever level it is you're trying to get to. Exactly. And you have to take and the, and the key another key point that you made is you have to take care of the body. Like if you're yes. not on the field, like some stuff is outside your control. You you tear right. ACL. Uh, yeah. you, you can't do nothing about that. You blow your hamstring, it's not, not much you can do about that. But no. purely being out of shape, and right. even some injuries, you can say, well, if you were in better shape, it wouldn't happen. But purely being out of shape is, is like, I, I don't understand, and this is crazy to me, Coach. I don't know if you see this, but I've said, like, today's age, I'm like, how do athletes play a sport and you're out of shape every season? I, <laughs> like, so, I, I know, man. So, <laughs> and I know sometimes because, like, I'm 41 years old, right? Yeah. So I I know sometimes I come off as the old guy. You yeah. Know, like, but, bro, like, nothing's changed. 
Like, like yeah, I mean, get in shape to play the sport. But see, that's what I, I've been I, recently. I've been saying that there are mm-hmm. a lot of kids who like playing the sport mm-hmm. more than they like playing the sport. Right, that makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. They like wearing the gear that says I play for so-and-so mm-hmm. and they like to go around telling little Susie, they play for so-and-so more <laughs> right. than they like playing for so-and-so mm-hmm. because to play the sport, there is a price to be paid. You have to be in shape. You have to work out. You have to go to practice. And then guess what? You got to get out there and line up against some cat who mm-hmm. actually loves playing and <laughs> right. wants to actually go play somewhere and get his education for free. And you and you have to make the commitment. Like a lot of kids now, it's not a commitment, and and that commitment is is it's not leisure. seen. It's not seen from the point of recruiting to no. the point of actually playing. And like th- this is what I'm saying. Like for those of you that listen, when I'm talking about the recruiting side. The recruiting side of it is a lot of kids, and I mean, if you're in our world, if a coach's world, you see a lot of this stuff. I think like if you're just a general, like just a general fan or whatever you may not see it as much but when you immerse yourself in the game you see the light kids get offers from i'm gonna say a power five school they'll accept the offer with no intent of ever going or even a a junior college or naia or d2 and they'll accept the offer because of the the uh the prestige of the offer and then they may attend the school for a year but if they don't play or things don't go their way they immediately you see them all the time year in, year out, transfer a portal. Transfer a portal or yep. looking for something else or when you ask, hey, what happened over here? Oh, it just didn't work out or they were hating on me or they, right, they didn't right. like me. This, whatever. And, I promise you, ain't no coach hating on you if you're productive. Right. I've, I've been in those staff meetings. <laughs> I promise you, there ain't no coach getting rid of a good player. Because no coaches da- need productivity. Yes. That keep, that's job security for them. Bro, they – you can't go through a season. I'll never forget when I played in college, Larry Fedora, who used to be the head coach of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now he's at Texas. He was our running back coach. I'll never forget him looking at the room. And he was saying, look at the guy to the left of you and the guy mm-hmm. to the right of you. One of them guys is getting hurt. So you better be ready to play. And right, you got to be ready to step talk. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be. You have to be. If you're productive, no coach is saying, you know what? He's really good, but I don't want him here. That ain't right. happening. And he and, and no coach is saying, "Oh, he's too productive. I need to I need to save him." <laughs> yeah, let me go get some scrub. Like, yeah, right? Like, and nobody's saying nobody that. want bad players, man. And that and that's the thing. Uh, you know, I had a and I had an episode, uh, a podcast that says, "Do you need makeup to look good?" Sometimes you are misfortunate. You have the misfortune of being on a bad team, but yeah, even though you're on a bad team, that should not detract you from being a productive player. Coaches, when you look at as a coach, when you look at film, you can clearly look at the film and see who jumps off of it at, at you. Like yes. you say, oh, he can play. Like there's no doubt he can play. He's just on a bad team, and you know you shouldn't let that deter, uh, uh, detract you from being the best player you can be. And I hear it all the time, especially at at, at high school level. Uh, the coach is not good enough, or he not run the right play, or the quarterback ain't throwing the ball right. Just make plays. Be a player. Like. Control what you can control, and the things you can't control, make the person look better. Like, make a play. Like, just because the ball ain't thrown right at you don't mean that you can't make a play on the ball or attempt to catch the ball. Right. And, there, I, I know, again, going back to Larry Fedora, I remember him as a coach saying, if I may, if I call a bad play, get, make me look good. Get me out of that. Get me four yards no matter exactly. what. He goes, I will play the running back that gets me four yards to carry. No matter what, just get me four yards to that point. Mm-hmm. Just be productive, right? right? And and if there's high school kids listening, college guys listening, whoever, at the end of the day, I get it. We are all about you should be about your team. You should mm-hmm. be about winning the games. But at some point, there has to be a little bit of selfishness inside you to being like, I'm gonna give this team everything I got. Mm-hmm. But my end goal is still to try to play one level up. Right. So you have to find that happy median. Yeah, even if you're losing, go mm-hmm. out and play because somebody will see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Coach, I'm going to ask you, like, some a quick thought on what's your thoughts? Well, you know, uh trending topic is load management um, in basketball right now. What What are your thoughts on load management? Well, I, all right, so there's two things to think. If you're a high school or college player, I don't think about it. You go play, period. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not enough games in the year. You don't have – I mean, that's why you were brought there to go do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the NBA, 
you know, I, man, look, I get it. I mean, if, if it's an older – if you take a LeBron James, if a LeBron James comes to me and says, Coach, I need Tuesday night off, like, I, I just need it. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you give him that night off just because at the end of the day, if you're, especially if you're winning games and you are where you want to be, mm-hmm. then you let the guy have – if one night gives – if one night allows him to play ten nights in a row, I do it. Mm-hmm. If you're just taking nights off just to take nights off, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. If, and as well, to me, you don't take a night off against a higher echelon opponent. I, that's just me. Right. That from the competitive standpoint, I don't care if you play back-to-backs. If you're playing against another marquee player, mm-hmm. you go out, compete, and you're because your legacy and your name is on the line. Right, if and that's why you make them. That's why you make right. them. I, you know, I, I get it. Jordan, I know he, I'm a Jordan era guy. I get mm-hmm. it. He's like, I, I was paid to play, so I wouldn't play. I agree with that. But I also, from a science, from a science standpoint, understand that they, it, the, the wear and tear on those guys, they fly in, they play a team, they get back on a plane, they fly out, they sleep weird hours at night. Mm-hmm. I, I know that takes, a, it takes a toll on your body. If you're playing, you know, like the Pistons, the Pistons mm-hmm. aren't any good. If I'm LeBron James and we got a back-to-back with the Pistons, we could probably go out and beat the Pistons without me that night. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as a coach, I get it. Right. But, it, but if it's a back-to-back and you've got another high-caliber player that you're going to go against, man, you got to go out and play because you're battling for legacy on them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing. And that's the thing. Like uh, people have to understand, and that's the human side of it. Is these people are human just like anybody else. And mm-hmm. when you work your tail off to get to the professional level, yep. the competition is always high. It's yep. no night where it's like. It's not like when you're in high school and you clearly better. It's not like when you're in college and you still have games where you clearly the front runner. Yep. Like you have some like that in the NBA or any professional sport, but for the most part, you are grinding out wins because everybody's yes. on the same level. And yep. so, yeah, it looks simple when we watch it on TV, things like that, but it's not that simple in action. So, no. you know, the wear and tear, the sleep habits, all that plays a factor into a person's body and what they can and can't do. Um, but I don't have a problem with it. But like you said, when it's marquee games, things like that, you pay the big ticket price to see big ticket players play. So they should be out there on the court or the field playing the game. Um, right. That they're getting that they're getting paid to play. And so yeah, we like this is we just have I just have a few general questions and we just kind of speeding through them. Um, but do you think uh, athletes today are faster and more powerful and stronger of than athletes of the past? Like. I know we hear stories of, <sighs> well, we've heard stories of, um, of uh, like Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson. Yeah. Um, just to name a few. But do you think athletes now are more like faster and stronger and more powerful, or do you think it's just uh, better technology, uh, better equipment, um, and just evolution of strength and conditioning programs? Uh, I think the evolution of it is has a, a ton to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bo Jackson. I, I mean, a time a stopwatch time versus another stopwatch time, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the greatest – that's one of the great things about the Olympics is you can't debate a time versus time. You mm-hmm. know, if Michael Johnson went out and beat a, a time, well, he beat that time. You know, if Usain Bolt goes out and, and destroys that time, he beat that time. So, clearly, that shows you he is a faster guy. Right. I think a lot of times in sports what you're seeing, though, is where it, it starts at the elementary levels where when a kid was big, they automatically got pushed down a level. So mm-hmm. when, like in high, you know, and we look at football, they're automatically pushed into a lineman, mm-hmm. or you know, basketball, they're pushed automatically into the block. Where mm-hmm. now, I think, I think AUU helped with that with basketball. You see that, say, you know, why can't we have a Lamar Odom? Let's take the tall kid. Let's see if he can dribble. Let's work on his skill. Work on his ball handling. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you have something special like a LeBron James, right? Right. Because who knows? Thirty years ago, they may have tried to make LeBron James Dennis Rodman. I mean, we don't know exactly. But, you know, so I think I think some of the evolution you've seen is not only with strength and conditioning, but I think you see it with coaches thinking, I've got a big, fast, strong guy here. Mm-hmm. You know, if I take him and work on his skill set, then we may have something special. And I and I give you guys for some of y'all that, that may be uh kind of like thinking of players, I give you guys a perfect example of a player today that's current that you probably look at and say, he's playing out of position. Uh ten to fifteen years ago, he he would definitely be out of position. Derrick Henry. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt. There's no way that he would have been a running back. Tight <laughs> end or something. In anybody's program. <laughs> and, no. Because uh, I mean, 
what is he like? I think he's like six two, six three, bro. 240, he, hey, 250, something like that. I'm just telling you, like the, when I first I, I worked him <laughs> out, I worked him out in the winter. Yeah, and the very first day he walked in, I was like, "There is no way in hell this cat's six two. Yeah, there ain't no way. <laughs> like I'm telling you, he looked like a warrior off of 300 or something, bro. Yeah, like talking about legit six four and some change, legit 250 60 pounds, just yeah. chiseled. And that's so, and that's a freak of nature. Like you not yes. you ain't seeing that every day. No, but to your point, you okay? You go back and look. Like you look at LeBron. If mm-hmm. LeBron played 30, 40 years ago, is he Sean Kemp, right? Where they just right. put him down in a block. We don't teach him how to dribble. We just throw him alley-oops. And just be athletic. Him. Just be athletic, right? Mm-hmm. No, no skills taught. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's where you see some of the difference in some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, And then uh, my last kind of general question before we get into the meat of the, the podcast is the discussion of strength and conditioning in high school sports. Um. I know it's it's probably different in Tennessee than it is here in Mississippi. Mississippi is is behind, as you as you know, you're probably aware. Right. Um, as far as football goes, a lot of strength and conditioning programs are, are basically like when I look at them over the totality, they're just powerlifting. That's all it is. It's not. Yeah. It's nothing that's that's meant to get you faster, more explosive, anything like that. Basketball, a lot of our kids don't even lift weights. Um, track is is kind of pushed to the back burner where it's almost like a club sport. Um. And baseball, kind of the same as as, as track as track and basketball. They don't really lift weights a whole lot. And the kids that do do it on their own, and it's more so a powerlifting program than right. a strength and conditioning program, uh, sports sports specific to get them bigger, faster, and stronger. So I know uh, that you're probably familiar with the the uh, the talks of uh, sports uh, specificity. Uh-huh. Uh, or being like just a, a master of one sport in high school and not playing multiple sports. But what are your thoughts, I, I guess, uh, in the total of strength and conditioning in high school sports and then uh, kids playing multiple sports? Because sometimes it's up it's up to the kids, but then sometimes coaches now, right. I've seen where coaches don't like kids to play multiple sports. Well, I think, all right, well, so the multiple sport thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think we understand. We we both know coaches are greedy, right, right? Right. And they say I think a lot of coaches because it sounds good. They like to say they want. Oh yeah, I don't mind if a kid plays another sport, mm-hmm. but but you know they do, especially if that's if that kid is a basketball or baseball guy, mm-hmm. and the football coach is wanting him to come out, mm-hmm. right? Because they're afraid of injury, right? You know, so you know, and I know there's a lot of debate where they say, um, you know. Are, do the best athlete are the best athletes the are the best athletes better because they play multiple sports and they have m- multiple stimulus right mm-hmm. but my question has always been is it that or is it just the best athletes just play more sports does that right. make sense yeah yeah I so, got saying so I've I, never I thought about it like that either right so I don't because I, obviously you don't take some you know some uh, some nerd out there right just mm-hmm. because he plays three sports on I me mean, he's good he can suck at all three of them yeah, he, does, but, he just but, has the ability to do it. Right, but if you have an athletic guy who's got decent height, decent size, and he's got decent skill set, it really kind of carry at the high school level will carry over to every sport. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't. That's why you don't see that so much at the professional level, mm-hmm. because do you have elite skill set or are you just really athletic? Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. I think I think in high school, small schools, especially like the one I'm at now. You have to share your athletes if you really want your school to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think coaches need to back up a little bit and not be so selfish and let those kids play mm-hmm. because you really never know what they can become in another sport, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah. And you know what? I'll say with a strength conditioning standpoint, like I, I, we used to get kids out of Mississippi all the time. And I mean, poor guys, they had no idea how to lift weights. But they, dude, them were some of the most athletic cats that we ever had. Yeah, and uh, like a guy who I love him to death, and I'm so proud of him is Charvarius Ward, mm-hmm. who is from I think Macomb, Mississippi. Um, okay, you know he's a starting corner for the Chiefs. I remember when when Steve Ellis, our corners coach, who's now at South Florida, when I was in middle, he signed him, and Charvarius came from not a lot, and I mean just never lifted for exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. and that kid was 170 ish pounds. And mm-hmm. when he in two years, like because but he busted his butt though. But yep. when he left, he was two oh five. The guy ends up now he's with the Chiefs and he's a starting corner for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Oh, yeah. So, and, and that's a success story. And I mean, the thing is, like, what I try to tell kids and tr- tell parents the same is, you know, even when they come to me as, as looking for training, whether they look for training or not, it's important to know, to, like, to have a purpose behind everything you do in sports, behind lifting, yeah. behind conditioning, behind everything. Like, you should have a purpose. I'm yes. not saying to go out, the physically, the body can't take lifting for real, like real life lifting <laughs> at mm-hmm. a high level every day. But you should be getting reps mentally, like with film study, playbook study, or, um, you know, hand-eye coordination, things like that. You should be getting those reps in uh, at a at a, a fairly common, uh, at a fairly frequent st- consistency. Uh, time. Or yeah, cause, yeah, that's the word I'm looking consistency for, consistency. is key. Um, and so if you're not doing it, then you're not doing yourself good to try to get to the next level. And I hear so many kids say, I want to play. I want to be a D1 athlete. I want to be a, 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 a power five school. But you have a – I ain't going to even say – like, it's disrespectful to say any level work at it. But you have a – like, you're below NAIA as far as your work level. Like, yep. you're not willing to go out there and do anything by yourself. If a coach is not telling you to do it, you're not doing it. Um, yep. And that plays a big factor in getting to the next level because the thing is the beauty of playing college ball – and the beauty of getting the opportunity, if you have such, to play professionally is that most of the guys are on your level. Like, it's a reason that they get to college and play. High school you know, is, is yes. like park and rec. Like, everybody can play. I mean, oh, yeah. not everybody gets to play, but everybody has yeah. the opportunity to play. Yeah, I mean, but you can play, yeah. play against some guy one week that has no business even being out there, man. He a five you, foot seven, 180-pound yeah, defensive end. Come on. You ain't seeing that, man. <laughs> You know, I think these kids, like, when they look at the stars, when the whole star, um, you know, like, prerequisite was, like, developed, mm-hmm. five-star means that that kid is able to come in today. And play. Physically and mentally and play today mm-hmm. as a freshman. Four-star means you can get four years. Or five-star, four-star means four-star even. You may need a red shirt and you may not but he may be able to give you four strong years, mm-hmm. right? Three-star means that kid can give you three star, three strong years, two stars, two, one year, one, right? I don't mm-hmm. think they understand that. If you think you're a five-star guy, look at yourself in the mirror. Are you built to be a five-star guy? Can, right. If you think you're an SEC player, can an SEC coach sign you today and plug your butt in tomorrow mm-hmm. and be ready to go? Exactly. And I tell a lot of kids around here, I'm like, if you just want to measure and ride, Take your game to Florida, take your game to Texas, take it to Cali, and come back and tell me how it went. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, man. I'm just, say, I'm just saying, yes. like, on a lower level, if you want to just see where you at, take it somewhere else. Like, not locally, where you know everybody. Go outside yep. of that, play, excel, and then come back. Now, if you do that, I get your, I give you respect. But yep. without that, I mean, it's just like, it's just like if you the, if you the, if you are the, uh, if you the, the stuff. Like I, I hate, I had to use colorful language because this is the way yeah. it's put to me. If you're the yeah. shit of a yeah. pile of shit, are you really the shit? I, I, dog. I'm just if, saying. If, if you're the tallest midget in the room, are you really tall? Then no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Exactly. So, I mean, as yeah. a coach, and you know, coaches and parents alike, you have to be real with kids. And I think because a lot of parents aren't real with them, when coaches are, it's more of that. Oh, they hating on me. Like no, nah, I'm just trying to be real. real. No more, bro. Nobody, nobody is real anymore. Yeah, like everybody's kissing everybody's ass these days, man. Yeah, like nobody wants to be real because nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings because nobody wants to lose out on money or nobody wants to lose out on this or that. Like nobody will mm-hmm. shoot anybody straight these days. And when you do shoot somebody straight, they look they look at you like they're offended. Uh huh. Exactly. Because I mean, like as a, recru- a recruits to like. Recruits, their job is to be the prettiest in the room. That's what a recruiter's job is. Like, so when yeah. they come to your house, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, I mean, some will tell you what you want to hear and keep it real. But for the most part, a lot of them just keep tell you what you want to hear. But you have to be, like you said before, self-aware, be real with yourself and say, hey, look, can I go in and play right now or do I need to sit, learn, and then try to play? I mean, Bro, the head coach may not even really know your name. You're right. It's a lot that goes into the game, like more than what's seen. Really know your name, like some recruiting coordinator or position coach is like, "Hey, this is little Johnny, coach. This is Johnny. I was telling you about. Okay, we're about to go see little Johnny, and then (laughs) he's going to read up on your bio as he's walking in your front door to act like he knows you, bro. Exactly. And and now you mad when you get there because he's like, I can't. I don't remember who you are. Yeah. Do something for me, and then I remember you. (laughs) Exactly. 
Because you, at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. you got to do something for him and he got to do something for you. Right. Right. You want your school paid for. You want to play on whatever platform that is. And right, he wants you to produce for him so he can keep his mm-hmm. job. And it's all like, again, it's all business. That's what it is. It is. Because just it, because a coach recruits you, that same coach, we, we all know it's unfortunate. But sometimes that coach may lose his job before the season will start. So yeah, you might be the one that loses his job for him. Right. You know so what, what you going to do then? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Hell, he may want to get rid of that position, Coach Andrew. So, I mean, dog. So, I mean, it's like, like you said, give and take. That's what it is. And so that, that takes us to uh, our, our, one of our main topics, the ideal recruit. So what does the ideal recruit possess or need to possess to excel at the collegiate level? Um, you know, a lot of things. I, so this is the whole thing. is like, you know, again, you know, not trying to be a cuss mouth, but Mm-hmm. At, the end, at the end of the day, like, you know, everybody needs uh, everybody needs somebody to help stabilize their locker room, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all know there's going to be some low-character guys and there's going to mm-hmm. be some high-character guys. You need to at least be a middle-of-the-road character guy, right? Mm-hmm. An ideal recruit is, another, another way to say this, too, is your productivity has to outweigh your bullshit. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you create more bullshit than you do plays on the field, then mm-hmm. you're not going to be an ideal recruit. Right. Right. But ideal recruit is you need to have certain measurables to play whatever position you want to play that you also need to be able to have the general requirements academically to get into said school. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, remember why you're there. That's that's it. Just mm-hmm. go in, do your job. Like no one's saying you don't have to have fun, mm-hmm. but go in, do your job, go to class. Be productive on the field. Be productive in the weight room. In the weight room. Be productive at practice. And every you'll be amazed at how far that will get you. And you'll you be amazed. And I'll say and the thing too. And I'm gonna let you get back to your points. All right. So the thing too uh, about letting your productivity outweigh your uh, your crap is think yep. about think about it like this. So recently we had the, this this year we had the opportunity to see a lot of things come about in the NFL. Antonio Brown got yep. several chances to play because his his productivity essentially yep. outweighed, outweighed his character until right. it could no longer outweigh it. Yes, but, that shows you if that guy, <laughs> you see how productive he is. Yeah, because right? everybody's like scratching their head like, dude, he's a bad character guy, this and that, whatever. No, he's his, his productivity is like, I got to have him on the field some type his, of way. Yes, his crap pile finally outweighed the productivity on the field. So we don't even know half of what he's done. <laughs> yeah. But that just lets you know he's not worth even dealing with anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what it takes. And like, so coach, for you, when you're looking at these kids, these these freshmen coming in, because you know your guys as sophomores, as juniors, as seniors, you know those guys. You spent at least a year with them, and you get the chance to get to know them more than the head coach, uh yep. nine times out of ten. So when you get these guys as freshmen. What are the things that you look for to say, okay, this kid is ready, this kid is not ready to 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 play at this level? Uh, one of the things I always remembered was was you you would always have a lineman. If you want to have a chance to play as a freshman, one, you better be in shape. If you if you show up to camp in shape, you will have the opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Because what you a lot of times you see with linemen. They want to lay around all summer. They'll go bench. They may go squat, mm-hmm. but they don't run. Well, I'm just telling you, if you can't run and you you can't be productive and you're not going to play, mm-hmm. so that means your whole first year is going to be spent getting you into shape. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to pay me now or pay me later. It just right. is what it is. I will also say this. If you are in shape and you stay in shape, there is nothing – a strength coach can do to you mm-hmm. nothing because he is there to help you. He's not right. there to hurt you. And you think he's trying to hurt you when you're out of shape or when you're <laughs> not physically prepared to play. But right. if you're physically, if you're physically prepared to play and you enjoy being at the place that you signed up to be, you and that strength coach are probably going to be really close. And it's going to mm-hmm. be one of the guys that you will always call and lean on whenever mm-hmm. you graduate. And so, coach, with that, could you can, could you recognize like with your years of experience when you were in the uh, at MTSU, could you recognize like uh, an athlete's work ethic pretty early, or yes. did it take some time? 
No, you could always tell that pretty early. Uh, you know, you could always tell the guy that was all talk and no chalk. I mean, you could yeah. tell him pretty quick. But, yeah, I mean, when you go out and you run them and they're yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, they look you in the eyes when they talk to you. Um, you know, they're mm-hmm. – some of the guys – I mean, you see it, man. When you go out and run through drills and they kind of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not athletically, but mm-hmm. they can sustain what you're trying to do. That lets you know, like, okay, this kid's – he's been doing a little something this summer. Mm-hmm. Like, he came in to want to play. Um, you know, if you're if – you're, if you walk in one minute before the group starts, that lets you know right then, <laughs> yeah. okay, this, this one minute's going to turn into five minutes late, which is going right. to turn into a no-show mm-hmm. if I don't get on to that guy. So, you know, my thing was always, man, hey, if we start at 8, be there at 745. Mm-hmm. Because it- there's no way Kermit Davis, the head basketball coach at Ole Miss, I used to hear him say this before practice, there's no way you can walk in the gym one minute before we start and be mentally prepared to practice. Exactly. You just can't. You know, get there early. That mm-hmm. way you can dick around with your tape, dick around with your wrist wraps, your sweatbands, mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. So yeah. when it's time to go, it's time to go. And uh, and, and I would say this, too, is, uh, you know, with the work ethic, you know, like you were saying with drills and stuff like that, saying yes, sir, no, sir, this, that, whatever. You can tell, too, by attentiveness if a yes. player is ready. Because this, this is one thing I will express on this podcast. I cannot I, – I, it irks me, and I try to contain it as much as I can. Is when I get a player, of course, I privately coach. So what I do is voluntary. So, you know, I work with people who want to be worked with. But what I cannot stand is if you come to me, I do a drill, set the drill up, show you the drill, and you do it wrong because you wasn't paying attention. Right. And I try it again, and you still can't get it. And then when I try to correct or I try to correct you in the drill and you say, I got it, I got it but you continue doing it wrong. So that was always my what, thing. Are, what's are, the are point? Coach is either too stupid to play or he yeah. doesn't care enough to play. Yeah. Right? So you <laughs> exactly. always – like, when, when I was at middle, we'd always have NFL scouts come in, and they would always be like, Coach, is he a low-rep guy? Mm-hmm. What low-rep means is can I tell him to do the stuff one time and then he goes out there and does it? Right, or is right. Or guy to what you just said. I got to coach him up for 40 minutes, and then we got to go out there, and then I got to keep going over and over and over. Ain't nobody got time for that, man. Mm-hmm. Nobody. <laughs> exactly. So I, you, the thing is, when you get out there, if you have a learning issue, you better tell your coach that, right? Because, <laughs> right. But he Because he can understand that, and he'll love you up, and we all get it. Mm-hmm. But if you just don't care, and then you keep messing up the drill, you will not play, period. Exactly. Because most time we get to the next level, coaches don't have time. Well, they ain't got to gotta worry about it. If I'm in Alabama, if I say get in here and you mess up, well, bro, like I'm gonna go to the next guy. Next guy, yeah, right. next. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like you know, with young young athletes out there, I hope if you're listening to this, I hope you're soaking up this information. You know, you're getting the <laughs> coach spray is giving you the strength and conditioning coach standpoint, and also a, a, a coach's standpoint overall, and so. Guys, like I tell my guys all the time, if you mess up a drill, like if you go to a camp, mess up a drill, just keep going. Because just keep going. If you stop and say, "Oh, my bad," or "Oh, let me start over," like that doesn't look good. Then just giving a hundred percent, jacking yep. it up. Now I can work with you if you give me a hundred percent. Mess it up. Now I can say, "Okay, I see you were trying." More than, oh well, th- this guy, you know, and I, it's a, a thin line between trying to be a perfectionist or whatever. But you have to do everything. That you can't your power when you're trying to get to that level. And then even when you're trying to get to the professional level, just watch the pro days, NFL combines, like they're not spending time on drills all day. No. Set it up, they set it up, go. If you can't do it, you just missed the opportunity. So you have to think about that as well. Like let that play through your mind. Bro, Kevin Byard, like I've coached him since he was 18 years old. I still train him every offseason. I tell the guy how to do it, I show him how to do it one freaking time mm-hmm. and he just goes he could coach 30 more guys after i show him how to do something one time and that's the, because and, and, he pays attention and mm-hmm. he cares and that boosts your training session too because yes. you, you can do a lot more in a training session when you don't have to waste time doing the same drill for 30 minutes versus 10 or five well, minutes. i can't stand we've been doing like <laughs> when you have, we've been doing the same thing for two months and then you still asking me what this is yeah, like, like, bro, what have you been doing for two months? Because I, I have athletes, I have some where I just call it out. I say, all right, A, A B skips, A skips, 
Yeah. Or, you know, this, that, and they just do it. And then I have some, like you said, they've been here six months, and you still act like, oh, what, don't know what the hell are you doing? What is that? I just right. did this. We did this last week. It's no way that you forgot. How do and, you not know? And then, and then, those are the same guys that say, "Coach, I want to get better. What do I need to do to get to get a scholarship? What do I need to do to get to this next level?" Like, pay attention. It's you're right. It's yeah. the it's the simplest thing. And like okay. I tell everybody, the small things are what make the big difference. Like well, it's not the, the small things that you coach are like lead, yes, lead to the big things. Like mm-hmm. if we're teaching you how to squat, we're teaching you how to do a multi-directional lunge, right? Mm-hmm. Those patterns are going to lead to the explosive movements that I would like to do with you mm-hmm. at a later point. But if you can't remember what something's called or what something is, how in the heck am I supposed to progress you into something else? And then that's what also gets kids that get to college and can't make it. That's what turns them off is the fact that somebody checks them on yep. your intellectual abilities to right. learn a drill. Like sports is not it ain't rocket science. Like no. it's broken down. Like we use yeah. cones, colors, and yes. simple terms to help you out. But if you can't figure that out, it just ain't no place for you. Does but, not. You know that that drives us to the to the our next our next really meaty subject of strength and conditioning. Um, I ask you this: Does does maxing out really hold a, a a place for you in sports? Um, I mean, yes and no. It's always nice to see a guy like express, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way to put it. Like, you know, you wish everybody would be the three, four, five guy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you wish they would clean three hundred pounds, bench four hundred pounds, bench uh, and squat five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, it's not so much the number for me. Mm-hmm. It's just a. I don't care if if you come in and all you can bench is 100 pounds, but you leave out benching 275. If mm-hmm. you continue to get better, that's what's important to me. Right? Do you, does it look good when you do it? That's that's what's important to me. Do you own your movements? Mm-hmm. That is what's important to me because we can look back through time. I mean, there's guys like Isaac Bruce and Marvin Harrison, and mm-hmm. you probably find. Them, I mean. These guys weigh nothing and probably couldn't lift much of nothing, mm-hmm. but but they can play the game. And that's where, like to your point earlier, was like we don't care if they're power lifters, Olympic lifters, you know, professional weightlifters. Right. We just want whatever we're doing, I just want you to own it and make it look good and mm-hmm. see some progression out of you. And if and, and and for you guys like, you know, you there are examples every day of good strength and conditioning. And there are examples of horrible, and there are examples of what the flip was that. <laughs> like, right. Like, I mean, and social media gives us these platforms. Like, I think you shared the video of the guy on the treadmill. Uh, yeah, man. What was that, man? Like, like they call it sports. To get hurt. Yeah, sports six training. He getting hit with two medicine balls from each side and and sprinting. Like, that's okay. You you can argue a point of proprioception, uh, neuromuscular activity, this that whatever, but. None of that, Coach. Does does maxing out really hold a place in sports to you? All right. So when we're maxing out, like, yeah, you would, you want to see your athletes progress, right? Because at the end of the day, if they're not progressing, then they're getting better, or they're not getting better. Um, but at the end of the day, too, though, I mean, we want to see whatever it is. You if you come in, you know, into college and you only bench press one hundred pounds and squat two hundred pounds or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, as long as there is a progression like we see that you're getting better your body's changing over over the course of your career you're bending more you Mm -hmm. are bending better and you're more explosive when we're working with the med balls that kind of thing that is progression that's more or less what we're looking for um because you know like getting under the bar every day and doing your bench pressing and squatting and your cleaning and you know your multi-directional lunges like to me there is that's because there is like a means to the end like i want that i want to see that express itself on the field Mm-hmm. whether that's via, you know, plyometrics and whatnot. And, you know, we can't get into some of that stuff until, you know, there is an adequate amount of strength, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think we all want to see our guys be the three, four, five number, right? Build mm-hmm. a clean three, build a bench four, squat five. But that's just not the case. Right. You know, but I, I mean, it got, even a guy like Kevin Byard, who's like one of the best safeties in the league, mm-hmm. he's not the strongest guy I've ever seen, but he handles the weight well. Right. It looks well. 
he moves it well. He moves it fast. He moves it with intent. And that is being athletic. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, of course, with Max and Gout, we want to use those as measurables. We want to use those uh, in a sense of uh, having a, something that we can use as a measuring rod uh, for better, uh, for better, I guess, stat checking at the end of the year in order to see if we progress through a program uh, adequately. But those are not the one-all with all. Like like you said before, you know, you want to have a three, four, or five guy, but everybody's not a freakish athlete like that. No. And so you have to be able to work with what you have. And that's the yep. thing. Like, if you're able to work with what you have, you will be a great athlete. Like Absolutely. The, it's not always the strongest who are the best. And I think sometimes in sports we get caught up in who's the strongest, who's the biggest, and things like that. But the the if you can move weight well, move weight fast, move weight with power, and good form, you'll get faster, you'll get stronger, and you'll get bigger. And that's Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's about who can play the best. It's not about yeah. who's the strongest, right? And that's because ultimately a lot of times the, the strongest guy is not even your best player. Exactly. Like, right? We all know that. But you need to use the weight room to help build the foundation of what God gave you. Mm-hmm. And that's why you go work out every day. Mm-hmm. It's not just to say, oh, I bitch 400 pounds, or Coach, I ain't never going to bench 300 pounds. Who cares? Yeah. Like, we really don't care. I just want you to be the best you can be, and that's what it's all about. It ain't about a record board, per se. Yeah. It's yeah. about being the best athlete you can be, and that's going to help you become one more durable mm-hmm. and back to that produ- productivity standpoint. If you're not durable, then you can't be, product- you can't be productive and you're not mm-hmm. going to stay on the field. And the thing is, too, uh, that brings up a good point. I didn't have it in my notes, but uh, in-season weightlifting is very important, like – just because you're in season doesn't mean you need to take time off from the weight room. Like, no, that's gonna keep you on the field, on the court, yep. or whatever it is that you're doing, and keep you healthy. Like, no, you're not gonna go as hard as you did in the off. And not only that, but, but in season weightlifting is the longest in, in in interrupted time you have in the weight room mm-hmm. because in the actually winter workouts aren't that long in college. You're mm-hmm. looking at about six weeks, and then you know there's some sort of break, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another then a spring ball. And then yeah. there's this, and then there's May break. And it's like there's a lot of breaks where in season, you have to look at it. You play in college, you play 12 games. That's right. 12 weeks plus mm-hmm. camp. That's another month. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. If you train three days a week in season plus the four weeks of camp, you get two to three lifts in. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the longest inter- in interrupted time you have um, uh-huh. throughout and- your calendar year. You will get better off of that. And take it seriously. Like, don't just go yes. up there and just play around with, like, take it take it serious. And if there's any coaches out here, especially high school coaches that don't know and, you, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to figure your way through this, just remember, intensity does not fatigue. Volume fatigues. Mm-hmm. So, if you think we're in season, oh, I'm just going to do a bunch, of, a bunch of reps and I won't go that heavy. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't mess – if you mess around and you do sets of eight and 12s on your – on squats or something like that, you're going to fatigue their legs out. Mm-hmm. Or if you're hitting singles and doubles and triples – you won't, you mm-hmm. know. So right. you gotta think because you you know a lot of times you're gonna look at what in season you're gonna hit a couple sets of three. You know, I mean, well, right. that's you know about eight to twelve reps, right? right? And, it, and it's the work si- exactly. And it's it's the way you 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 draw out your sets. Like you yes. don't have to you don't have to get it all in one in three sets, you, but you can you draw don't. them out and and, and uh, yep. get a great lift. But that also comes with great programming. If somebody knows what they're doing, or yep. you know, Google is free to everybody. Um, you can you can find some good programs. You know, if you're in time constriction, of course, if you're in high school, of course, you got limited time with these guys before parents come pick them up. This that whatever. But if you uh if you if you can figure out that window, that sweet spot, then you'll be good. Um, man, I'm telling you, over the years, that's why I have gotten away from percentage charts, Mm -hmm. just because percentages I didn't like them as a player. You know, there was gonna be times, especially if you have a strong guy. Mm-hmm. All right, say you have a guy who squats 600 pounds. Well, you slap 50% as your first set. That's mm-hmm. a 300-pound squat that he's got to get under for his first set. Mm-hmm. And same thing with bench. If you have a guy that benches four plus, well, his first set may be 225. So that's, I, I, you know, and, and a lot of times you'll see, too, just because a guy hits mm-hmm. a peak and he maxes out, well, that goes up. Well, now all of a sudden now his work sets go up. Mm-hmm. I, I got away from that, and it really helped out a lot in season. Where, you know, I, I just put reps up on the board mm-hmm. and we just kind of see where you are for that day. You know, yeah. because where, where with a percentage chart, man, you may get smoked. A lot, a yeah. lot of times you'll see it's either too easy or it's too hard. And guys yeah. just get smoked. And I was going to say, too, I, I remember playing ball and 
uh, you know, I always I was kind of, I was a stronger guy, and I always felt like percentages robbed me because of that that very reason that oh you get it smacked was either, in the first it two was three either, sets yeah it was either too hard or too light, and then yep. like in season, like and you know you have to take this into account too as a coach. People like players that are starters work more in in practice. Like, no doubt, they get more reps, and so if you tell me after practice, hey, defense is going to lift after practice. And we go to pre- we go to the weight room, and I got to start off with, like you said, that fifty percent. And if that fifty percent squad is three hundred, and I just yeah. ran, just conditioned, and practice the whole day, I'm not even gonna hit probably two no. two reps, and it's gonna be ugly. And now I'm at risk of injuring myself. Yeah, and you don't even want to go in there because it feels yeah. like crap. You think you're getting worse, and you're not getting worse. Like yeah. it's just it's just a flawed system, I and guess. Then, you know. And- and then you could tell too, like you could tell this. Uh, I'll let you, uh, let you get to your point, coach. Just hold what you got. But as as a as a coach, like, could you do you look at your team to determine if you're doing too much or too little? Like, if y'all have a game on Friday, your last lift was on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and you get to Friday and the guy's legs are still gone, then to me, you can tell me if I'm wrong. You should be looking at uh, tweaking the program somewhere in order that your players are in a better, stronger position on Fridays or Saturdays whenever you play. Absolutely. So that, that goes back to the whole principle of pen. Write your, write, write your workouts in pencil, not pen. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't, don't, be, don't be married to anything. Don't be set in your ways. Because at the end of the day, you're only a strength coach because of the football team, basketball team, baseball team, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're there to play the sport. They're not there to be weightlifters. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to go play a game on Friday. Yeah. So <laughs> you have to remember why you're there. Mm-hmm. You only have a job because of the sports, right? So mm-hmm. you have to remember that's why you're there. That's why, you know, when I looked at football, the football thing, we tried to get – we tried, and we messed around with it. We always we tried to get our squats in on Sundays the day after a game. Mm-hmm. So typically in, co- in the college setting, um, when, when if we had a big win, I would try to either get – I would try to get our squats in on Sunday just because, you know, spirits are good, the guys are feeling good, you know, that kind of thing. But you get your squats in the furthest away from your next game. Mm-hmm. And, as you know, we would try to get three lifts in a week when I was in college. And then, then you know, we, would, we wouldn't worry about cleans or anything like that on Sunday. A lot of it was body weight, that you know, moving your body around, getting sweaty, getting the soreness out. But then we, we would try to squat. And mm-hmm. then we would lift again on Tuesdays. And that's when we would try to hear our cleans, our big bench press, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of good unilateral work. And then Wednesdays was all like supplemental lifts mm-hmm. um, just because you were getting closer to the game. Um, you know, and if we, if we, and the closer we, the longer the season goes, you know, um, and I, so, I mean, this is what it is. Your wrists get beat up, your hands mm-hmm. get beat up, cleans will start to feel like crap. And right. if you got to take them out, take them out. And we would use med balls, you know, uh, we would, we would take the bar off the back. That way their spine wasn't loaded. We would go mm-hmm. to trap bar deadlifts. Um, so at the end of the day, there's a lot of tools, man. And, you know, I just encourage coaches to use those and mm-hmm. just understand that, you are there because of that sport. The sport's not there because of you. Exactly. Um, and, and you know, we'll get to the next point of, you know, wh- where I was talking to you earlier about, you know, you sharing a video on Twitter with a guy running on a treadmill and getting hit on both sides with the med balls. Right. And they call that sport-specific training. And, you know, it's kind of it's, – it's not kind of – it is dangerous training because you're not working on neuro, neuromuscular or anything. Nothing. Or, pro- or proprioception or anything. It's just – uh, it's basically like one of those hold my beer. Uh, yeah, it is. Well, you're trying to be cute. You're trying to be and cute for likes. Is what let's you're doing. See if, yeah, let's see if we can go viral. How many how many uh, views we can get? Yeah. So you have that, and then like we talked about, Miles Garrett with the the, the fifty or sixty pound dumbbells jumping on a box that he shouldn't even been jumping on, putting himself at a higher risk for injury. Um, how do you view sports specific training in conjunction with mandatory traditional strength and conditioning training? Well, uh, first I'll say this. You know it. Ninety uh, percent of what we do is very similar across the board. It just mm-hmm. is what it is. There's things I, I I'm doing with our high school kids. If Kevin, like when Kevin Byer comes back, when the season's over, and Logan Ryan comes back, and Derek Henry comes in, we're gonna do the same exact things with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, volume might be different. You know, the way you program it is different, but mm-hmm. the patterns and a lot of the lifts are exactly the same. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, those patterns help support them as an athlete. Pushing, mm-hmm. pulling, squatting, you know, and core stability. That mm-hmm. don't matter what you play, that is important. Right. You know, where we change things is 
like we have a high right now at the high school we have a pitcher who's really good. He's a lefty. He throws in the mid nineties. He's mm-hmm. a junior. I'm not barbell bench pressing him. He doesn't need to. So right. that's where some of that differences will come in play. You know, if I have a quarterback in season who throws a lot, takes a mm-hmm. lot of pounding. I mean, you know, when I was in college, a lot of our, our quarterbacks, they did not use a barbell except for some cleans. They mm-hmm. would not use barbell in, in, uh, during in season. We'd front squat them with a barbell, but mm-hmm. all their pressing was done with dumbbells. That, right. At the end of the day, the patterns are the same, mm-hmm. but it's just how you get there is different. Like just coach, the, whatever tool you use. And coach, can you can you dig a, a little deeper into that? Because I know that me and you, I, we know I know what you're talking about as far as like why you're not using a barbell versus why you're using dumbbells. Can you can you kind of dive into that a little bit deeper? Uh, just because at the end of the day, the barbell it puts you like in a fixed range of motion, right? Mm-hmm. Like once your hands are on that bar, like that is going to be your plane of motion, right? Mm-hmm. And it can be hard on the elbows. It can be hard on the shoulder. Where a dumbbell gives you a lot more free, um, it just gives you a lot, it just gives you a freer ranges of motion, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're all built different, and we all have ranges of motion and way we like to kind of move our hands and do things a little bit different mm-hmm. than the other guy. And dumbbells and body weight movements allow you to do that. Um, where with a barbell, again, you're in a fixed plane of motion. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, again, uh, you know, we won't back squat a pitcher. You know, I haven't back squatted our pitchers. I didn't back squat our, our quarterbacks in season just because I don't want that barbell laid across your rotator cuff mm-hmm. and your shoulder is push, pushed back in an external rotation mm-hmm. uh, motion. You know, we would front squat those guys, use safety squat bars. The safety squat bar is where the pad comes over your shoulder. Um, your hands are inside. Your shoulders aren't jacked back with a bar mm-hmm. laid across it. Um, so, again, I, I just encourage, you know, work your patterns just <clears throat> if something bothers you communicate that to your coach coach if a player comes to you and says hey back squats hurt well let's try front squats let's try goblet squats let's try mm-hmm. trap bar deadlift whatever it is just find a way to get the pattern done exactly um and 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 and, and you know coach i i would like to have you back on the on the podcast if possible um just to dig you know i know you're a busy guy but if uh, to dig into you know unilateral training um uh I wouldn't necessarily let's say conjugate method training, uh, contrast training, things like that, um, that, that we may be able to dive into in another another podcast if we're able to get it done. Um, but, you know, just in conclusion, I would say for athletes that work themselves out, you know, by themselves or anything do, or, or anything like that, do you have any tips to help them program exercises or so or to do things better so they're not killing their athletic performance? Um by trying to do the, the right thing and getting extra work. Yeah, I will say, first of all, if you're not getting extra work, if you're not working, period, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would say is, first of all, before you start loading a barbell, can you move your body around properly? Mm-hmm. Can you do a body weight squat? Can you do a, a proper push-up? Can you do a pull-up? If you can't do a pull-up, can you do an inverted pull-up? Mm-hmm. An inverted pull-up, just look it up. I think, you know, you can Google it, YouTube it. It's fat man pull-up, some people mm-hmm. call it, but it's, you know, it's using a TRX. If you don't have a TRX, you can use, at least use a barbell. Right. Um, but you can do it on a Smith move, machine. Yeah, or a Smith machine, whatever. If you can't move your body, your body weight, and own your body weight throughout movement, there's no need loading it with an external load, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the first things I'll say. Make sure you're also sprinting. If you're not out sprinting or, you know, and make sure you're in condition, then you're not going to be able to play your game. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with going on YouTube and looking for people Mm -hmm. typing in workouts. Like if you, you know, if you can't, if your school doesn't have a strength coach and you can't afford training, then just get on YouTube and search and look at things and find out what it is you can do. But the first thing I will say, if you can't do quality pushups and you can't do a chin up and you can't do quality body weight squats, there's no need going much farther than that. That's it. Um, and, and, you know, for me, uh, guys, I tell y'all all the time, you know, you, you try to get 1% better each and every day. Uh, do the things that legends do each and every day. Um, if your goal is to get to the next level, this is a great podcast to listen to um, as far as giving you a bunch of jewels, a, a lot of nuggets and tools to put in your bag to get to that next level. Uh, know that, you know, self-promoting is good. Uh, it, is self- it is good. Use of huddle is good, um, yep. but use it in the right way. 
focus on your team, trying to help your team as best as you can. And if you do that, good things will happen. I promise. Well, at the end of the day, for your productivity, right, especially mm -hmm. in team sports, mm -hmm. if you're playing against another team and there's a guy lined up to the right of you and a guy lined up to the left of you, that you're depending on them to do, your, to do their job, mm -hmm. right, you better encourage them to do the work that you're doing. And exactly. if you're the one not doing the work that they're doing, then you're messing up their livelihood as well. And just understand that. Mm -hmm. If you all don't pull together and go bust your butt, and try to be the best you are, you're not going to get where you want to be. Because at the end of the day, I think I heard Ray Lewis say this. He said a, D, he said a linebacker's best friend is a D tackle. Mm -hmm. Because a D tackle will keep Keeps them climbing off of him. Yep. He said a corner's best friend – I'm sorry, a corner's best friend is a defensive end. Because mm -hmm. that defensive end puts pressure on that quarterback and does not allow him time to set his feet and throw the ball where he wants. Mm -hmm. And that's what you always have to remember. That in, in any team sport, the guys to the right and left are your, your best friend because if they're productive, then they can't double-team you. They can't take away from your shine. And, and even with that, uh, another thing I thought about is, you know, if you're playing a big game, show up. Like, yep. show up and show out. Like, really yep. get your mind set. Because 9 out of 10, if, and, and I had a coach tell me this when I, was, when I was in high school because I graduated in high school in 2009, and at that point, a lot of this stuff was kind of still new, like rivals had just started not long before mm -hmm. and all the ratings and all that stuff. And so I'll tell you this, when it comes to it, if you are in a big time game and you are on a big time team, recruits are going to be there. Now yep. you may not be on a radar before then, but yep. if you go out and play your game, you never know what will happen. Something good may come from it. They may, you may be the guy they weren't looking for, but now they saying, well, who is that guy? Because nobody cares lady? what you did against, like, little Susie School of the Blind, right? Like, they don't right. care. You're supposed to but do that. <laughs> if there's a guy on the other side of the field that has offers, and that's the thing uh -huh. you have to understand, too, if you are a offered athlete, you have a bullseye on you. Mm -hmm. Because if the kid that doesn't have offers puts – if he goes out and he balls against you, that may get him offers. Mm -hmm. And that may end up stealing your offer if you're not careful. So, again, I always tell those kids, I, I'll never forget, like, we was in college. I mean, those guys knew who was on draft boards, and they would go at them to try to get themselves in that spotlight. Mm -hmm. And there's no different in high school. If you know the guy up the street has an offer and you know you've got him game three, you know you have to circle that game and you have to go out and be productive. You and, even if you, and even if you play on the team with that guy, if you got the yes. chance to go against them, well, yeah, hey, his film is circulating them. everywhere, though. Yeah, like, go against them. Like, if they that good, make your game, like, elevate yourself to another level and, yes. and go out there and go at it. Be a, be a competitor. If a guy on your team is a top 100 guy, you know that tape is circulating every week. Mm -hmm. So you don't think that somebody won't see you? Exactly. So, so you, I agree. You have, to, you have to think about all those things. And like I say, you guys do the things legends do. Be, get 1% better each and every day. And be legendary. And coach, before we go, before I cut this off, my bad, man. You good? I want to say uh, thanks for for coming on the podcast. I hope I can get you on another one for sure. Anytime. Um, I'm glad we linked up. And like I told y'all, man, the, the power of social media. Um, you know, and and I hope a lot of you athletes take the time to listen to this podcast and uh and listen to you know the nuggets that we drop because it's not every day that that people get to get the insight of what it takes to be a collegiate athlete what it takes to be, you know, a, a better athlete. Because a lot of coaches, especially now, and you know this coach in the sports training world, it's really no – we really don't have a set um, – I guess you say a set guideline or a committee of people who say what people can do and can't do. And so you have pop-up trainers all the time. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, you have to be careful with who you let train you, who you let put their hands on you. you know, who this, let that brainwash whatever. you. Yeah, because it affects your – this is your career as an yep. athlete. You yep. only get one chance. Trust me. Like, yep. one. Coach, will tell, coach will tell you, I'll tell you the same thing. When the lights go out on your career, it's over. <laughs> like, yeah, it is over. You don't get to restart. They don't have a 50-year-old uh, football league, 40-year-old nope. football league. Like, it is what it is. And so you yep. have to take advantage of the time that you have and do the things to put yourself in the best position possible. So, and, and, and I'll say, too, like for guys, when you go into college, when you go into high school, uh, just just remember, your coach will be one guy who will always fight for you. If you play hard for him and do the things that he asks you to do, 
that will be one man that will fight for you for the rest of your life and will help you get a job, especially when you get to college. And mm-hmm. when you start writing out that resume, if you, if you want to get into coaching, you never know. It happened for me. That, that'll be the guy that will give you your start in coaching, right? Exactly. That'll be a guy that will put a phone call. He'll call a buddy of his. He'll get mm-hmm. you a start. If you want to get a job at the bank, he'll call for you. I'm just telling you, the one guy that will fight for you to the day he dies will mm-hmm. be your coaches. And so yeah. that's what don't, you know, don't go in and disrespect them. And then want to, when you come out saying that nobody wants to help you and they won't help mm-hmm. you, it's because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Because if you go in and do what you're supposed to do, I promise you, your coaches will fight for you until the day they die. Hey, yeah, I'm going to tell you all this, too. This last point. I know I said I'm closed like 15 times. Uh, Coach Spray did not tell y'all that he has won, like, a National Strength and Conditioning, like, Coach of the Year award. I just had to throw that, that out there. I ain't doing it for clout, but I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I did. I, in 2011, I did. I was um, – yeah, I won a National Strength Coach of the Year award, and I mean, I was pretty excited about that. And but hey. I mean, again, though, I, I I give all the credit. I mean, I again, I played for some really good strength coaches, and mm-hmm. you know, I man, I you know, I've been able to network with a lot of guys, and mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate everybody that I've ever come across and met, and I try to take one thing from everybody that I talk to, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that again that one percent. You know, if you can take something from everybody, that's how you get better. Hey, and and I, I say, Coach Coach Spray, hey, kudos. Thank you for being on the podcast. And until next time, you guys be legendary. <laughs>